Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and welcome back to another one of our Amy Community Series match reviews where we'll look at the two teams that just played and tell you who I think popped who really did not and what it means for us as we head into the opening round and very very soon the start of lockout for your afl fantasy super coach and dream team seasons for 2024 this episode we're talking gold coast and we're talking gws giants we sent one of our own mini monk down to watch this game on field in person and so if you want to get in touch with mini monk he's got some really nice reflections on this i've incorporated them into some of this episode but you can get in touch with him, all the links to follow and interact with him, especially on X is where he is at his most active. You can find in the description of this episode. Let's talk about the Giants because there's some sun stuff we want to get to, but let's talk about the Giants. Gosh, Tom Green, he's going to be fun to own and he's going to be a headache to miss early in the season. We did an episode just moments ago uh, about Errol Gould, and I think you could probably put Tom in the same sort of category, which is... All the question marks people want to throw at these top-end premium midfielders of whether or not their role's there. I'm talking about Laird and Brayshaw. There's been some concerns about that, whether or not they're able to return the value at the top end. Players like a Bontempelli have been up in that conversation. Tom Green has zero of those concerns for me. And that early buy round of round three does make it really fascinating because what happens if he does... Politely, he was on... I don't even know if he got into first gear. I feel like he was in neutral in this game. 31 possessions, kicks a goal, 82% time on ground, a good mix of inside and outside, contested and uncontested footy, used the ball really, really well, and still gives you a ton across the formats without even really making a move. Can you do it? I think you absolutely can, but it does impact what you do with your other selections and how deep you go with cows on field and how many strong scoring cash cows you've got on your bench. It might just mean you have to run a bit thinner in another line to be able to pull it off. But to me, I think the conversation is absolutely you can. That early fixture is nice. He is a captaincy and vice captaincy option. And so I think you absolutely can do it. It just changes a lot of other variables. And if you are wanting to go and pay up at the top end of the tree and you do have some concerns about role scoring potential other challenges tom doesn't have any of those concerns what the concern he does have is he's going to miss a game early due to that buy and if you feel you can mitigate that potential risk in contrast to potentially some of the other concerns others might try to make or suggest around the top end premium mids then he's definitely someone if you're looking for a top end primo He's someone that you can have in that. Uh, Toby Green, I don't think anybody's really seriously considering him in their starting squads, but if you are, this is exactly what he can be, but he's going to need an avenue to goals and many, many of them and shots on goal to be able to give you a high 90 score in AFL fantasy and that 120 odd that he gave us in super coach. So I think he's a fine anchor, but he's going to need a lot of scoreboard impact to do it, which he's more than capable of doing. Personally, I feel like there's so much value in our forward lines right now that I don't feel the necessity to do it. Like, Connor McDonald, James Jordan, Jack Billings, Zach Fisher, Cam McKenzie. Um, just these five alone. Nat Pfeiffer haven't even mentioned, let alone the cows. I just don't feel like 
it's almost the inverse of what we got last year where we were paying up to get as many big end mid forwards or forwards as we can. I don't feel like we need to do that at all. We're almost going the opposite of skimp and save as much as we can because there is a lot of value in our forward lines that with confidence, I feel like we can select. So Toby, really nice forward option in your drafts and in your keeper leagues, but probably not someone you need to consider in classic. Um, Josh Kelly, got him in. If you're bullish on him before, you saw exactly what you needed. 56% time on ground and yet still scored an incredible clip of points per minute. I understand why people aren't interested in him at his price point. But if you're looking to flip something at round three and you think those early couple of games, he could give you some 120s and really accelerate that price movement early. Again, it changes what you do and who you select in your side around it because you are forecasting a trade and really anchoring one, which does affect the way you structure up. But it's definitely something that you can look at absolutely for sure. I really love the game of Aaron Cadman. Oh, I think now at F8, um, you could almost with confidence pick him. Uh, it does, again, impact what you do with your other lines, whether it be a, a Sexton, a, a Flanders and things of that nature. But I think depending on what you're doing with those other players that could be missing in that same round three week, to me, I think it can work. Um, he looked good, got involved in the game, moved up beautifully up the field, and again, just impacted nicely. So I think um, if you're not loving the forward rooks, I think there are some really good ones. Uh, I'd ideally not like to ever have him see the presence of my field, but I think there's enough to like about him there. So yes, I, I think you can absolutely make a move through there. Um, Lockie Whitfield, if you're bullish on him, that's not fallen away at all. 50% time on ground, scoring the 70s in super coach and a reasonable score from a points per minute perspective from an AFL fantasy. I think he, again, is someone with that early fixture with that scoring ceiling potential. Uh, if you can mitigate that risk of having to avoid putting any cows on the field from your defensive line, um, then I really am quite comfortable with that. I, I don't like those um, key position defenders. I think their money-making will be solid and consistent, much like a DeConning and a McCartan from a few years ago. But ideally, I wouldn't like them on my field at all. But the beauty of best 18 means those scores can fall away a little bit more. So if you're big on Whitfield, I, I think then there's absolutely something to like there. Daniels looked really good before he went off um, with an injury concern. I actually really like him. I think in drafts, he could present huge value for us. So let's wait and hear over the next 24 hours from the club about the severity of that little concern that seen him miss really the last two thirds of the game. I think it was. So to me, I think there's definitely a little bit to be concerned about. Um, he does seem to find ways to keep getting himself hurt, does young Daniels. But my goodness me, this guy's a player. And I think Toby um, McMullen uh, is, is going to be a, a really nice player for the Giants as well. I, I think he's really, really smart and classy. I think he's going to be a nice part of that forward line for them for a long time. Cogs, I don't think many people are on, but again, solid, fine, not a problem at all. Faye's the one that I think is worthy of a little bit of a watch list. There were some guys missing in this team. Um, Aish wasn't playing. Perryman, I don't think, was playing in this matchup. And so you probably behind those guys, but he did enough. A 69 in AFL Fantasy, a 49 in Supercoach. It's a little bit more expensive um, at the upper end of our cash cows than we like to pay without some certain job security. But certainly... Just put him on that little watch list because I thought he linked up well, and especially once Whitfield really flew out of the game, 
they they played through him and, and played through him quite well. So Faze, someone that for me, I'm really open to considering. Um, but I'd, again, the beauty of opening round, I get to look and see it. You get to look and see it. We get to see the dynamic of what it means for Ash, for Ash and Perryman sitting alongside him. Um, and then we can make that thing. I, I think he is on the lower end and definitely a sub-risk flag. So just waving that for you, if he even does make it. But, but I think um, there's an option and an opportunity for us there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about the Gold Coast Suns. Took Miller, 33 possessions, a goal, tons across the formats. This is exactly what we love about Took Miller and exactly why we hate the opening round because it means we, with the early buy, really can't show a whole range of interest in Took without drastically making some other adjustments to our structure. So he looks like he's going to be unaffected in his scoring potential in this new Damien Hardwick system, because I think he plays it so well. I didn't see a guy that had to sacrifice um, team first football, quote unquote, much like a Trent Cotchen did to be able to do it. It seems like, and again, we'll get a better look at it next week, that they're happy for him to use his gut running strength to get around the ground, to still be at center bounce. He was very, very present through the center bounces as well as Raul and Anderson linked up well, did the defensive stuff, even though that wasn't the most physically threatening presence to game. I thought he did some nice stuff in some pretty slippery conditions with a little bit of rain and then a fair bit of dew just kind of floating around. It was quite a slippery little outfit through there. So to, to me, I, I think if you're big on Took, you're holding the course. And if you weren't, it's just that reminder of, okay, you can do it. We talked about this with Tom Green, didn't we? You can start him, but it changes just the reflection and structures of the rest of your side. But let's wait and see what he does in opening round. But I really, really liked what I saw from him. Will Powell came into this side from last week and he didn't play. And he was a really critical piece for me because I wanted to see how both Alex Sexton and Connor Buderick, who were playing the distribution roles off halfback last week, who if any, would be impacted. Is it Powell? Was it Sexton? Or was it Connor? You can't have three distributors coming off half back. You can have two, but you can't have three getting bulk opportunities. So with Will coming in, I wanted to see how this would work. And to my non-surprise, Will held that down. I was always quite bullish that Will was going to be um, point A, and it was who's point B out of those other two, which we know the answer now. But Will Powell, 25 possessions, um, 90s across the formats. I really like him as an option, especially in drafts. I love the way his score build is there. He gets involved with the transition football, good user of the football, smart reader of the play. I really do quite like Will Powell. I think he's got the potential to push into that top 15 level of defenders for us in 2024. He's a really, really smart footballer and definitely someone on draft day if you can get your hands on him really happily do it so who won the battle of point distribution b in the back line you know the answer don't you it's alex sexton 31 possessions 11 marks 
went at 87% time on ground, 115 in fantasy, 125 in super coach. Politely, unless something drastically goes wrong in opening round, and I'm talking an injury or suspension, or Dimmer completely flips the role and removes Alex from that opportunity, you're starting him on ground in your forward lines. Plain and simple. This is going to be one of the best gifts for us this year. And it does impact the rest of how you structure up your forward line because he's missing early. And so for me, I believe Alex Sexton is way more important to your side and your structure than what a Sam Flanders is. This isn't an anti-Flanders sentiment, but rather I don't want to be running two of my forwards off the field that week um, because it now links you out of opportunities of what you want to do in your midfield or your defensive line. Potentially there's a Giants or a Suns player you want in those lines of your ground too. So for me, Sexton trumps Flanders in priority of selection based on, I think his scoring is a little bit more stable. Um, His pathway of scoring is more stable and he offers way more financial value and upside and return. So for me, barring really, an injury, a suspension, or Dimmer just completely changing his mind and giving Connor the opportunity, I think Sexton is one of the biggest locks and learnings out of this preseason now. And you are making a a potentially really big mistake, especially if we see this happen again in opening round. To me, because of that, I'm fading all my stocks on Connor Buderick. I, I just don't see how it's there. His scoring was fine, by the way, 71 in fantasy, 63 in Supercoach. He was playing through some lines and opportunities and still had 20 possessions um, through the match. But to me, I just don't see how with Powell and Sexton being A and B distribution, I feel like Connor is third fiddle there. And given he's not the same value that Alex is, it's actually really good news for us. We can stock up that forward line with some better scoring options at a cheaper price, which means you probably can, I think with the forward lines this year, you can run a, a little bit thinner in terms of what you're investing salary cap wise. That means you can really bulk up on that defensive line a little bit more than maybe you'd plan to because the cash cows on field aren't as strong and the value options aren't as deep as what we've got in our midfield and as what we have in our forward line. So for me, I'm fading my stocks in Connor. I've got no real interest in him now. I was keen to see who of the three would lose out. And unfortunately, it probably now looks like Connor, but let's wait and see to opening round to really kind of lock that one away. But yeah, I'm fading interest there. Noah Anderson, I think was solid. He's going to be a really nice player for them. He's excellent. Love what he did for them in this matchup. Sam Flanders, we got to talk about Sam Flanders. The role's there, um, which is promising. It's just a touch under 40%. Uh, center bounce attendance in this matchup. So it's about what I expect from Damian Hardwick. We we know at Richmond, um, historically, over especially sort of 2016, 17, 18, 19, um, they ran a really tight midfield. And it's Raul, it's Anderson, it's Took. They're, they're their best three pure midfielders. Without any question, they are their best three. And so Sam gets fourth chop. 40% or just a touch under 35-40% every single game is still good enough for a player of his ability who can play off the half forward and push up to, to get involved and score well. And he scored okay in this game. I think if you were bullish on Sam Flanders before this game, the role you were hoping he would have was there. And, and this is where it, I think it is an overreaction for if you were bullish on Sam, 
is you go, oh, he didn't score well, I'm out. No, the role is there. It's fine. The role is there. So if you were bullish because of the role, go. What wasn't there was Mark's. And this was something that myself and Stevie Fizz talked about in our episode of him in the 50 most relevant. And that in that stretch of games last year where he was absolutely dominating, he was getting at over five, almost five and a half marks per game. That's the levels of what we see intercept defenders getting under a Damien Hardwick system that it's not really what we see for anyone outside of defenders really delivering and key position forwards is probably the other that sit in that. So the key that unlocks Flanders scoring is a high volume of marks. And he didn't get that in this matchup, whether that be because it's, you know, the, the slipperier conditions or just the way that the Suns wanted to move the ball. You can choose which of those pathways you like. But for me, the Suns have the first two matches up on the Gold Coast. We'll get to have a look at least in opening round. But for me, I've not been keen on Sam for, for two reasons. Again, if you're bullish on Sam heading into this match, you got what you wanted. 40% midfield or almost opportunity and time. He's around the ball and he's fourth fiddle in. And he does get involved in their score chains. He does get involved in their link-up play. So you got what you wanted. But for me, the two reasons I am not keen on Sam in my starting squad is he needs marks and I want to see multiple games of that before I jump on to unlock his scoring. And he didn't get that in those conditions. And I'm not sure he'll get those if the conditions match what Queensland can do at those kind of twilight and night matches through this time of the season. So that's one. And the second, I just don't like that round three buy. I'd rather get stocks on an Alex Sexton and be able to get maximum scoring and financial cash outlay um, and cash revenue generation than I would from a Flanders. So if you're bullish on Flanders, go with God and go with it. I don't think you should overreact. But for me, I saw exactly what I expected from Sam, which was fourth midfielder in. But if the marks aren't there, the scoring's going to dry up and that early buy those two elements combined have had me off Sam all preseason, and I'm really happy to hold in that space. I thought Matty Rao was fine. If you're big on him, absolutely no problem at all. Again, how many of these guys you have ultimately determines and impacts what you do elsewhere. And then Mac Andrew just caught my attention a little bit. The fact that he was the guy playing the relief ruck role. I don't think there's a huge amount of interest for us in Classic, I think in maybe super coach deep drafts or keeper leagues and dynasty leagues, maybe um, to, to just little stash away through there because he looked okay and, and he had those opportunities for us through there. So uh, I think they're a, a fascinating side to really watch. I like Gold Coast, but to me, the big takeaway and win was an Alex Sexton lock and load. But do you agree or disagree on my take about this matchup? Are you bullish on any player that I didn't mention? You can comment in the description of this episode for those listening to this as an audio podcast. You can get in touch with us across social media. Just simply click on the description of this episode, get involved in whichever platform you like, reach out to us and let us know what you think about these players. But if you're watching on YouTube, one, thanks for doing so. Thanks for helping us 
clear past the thousand subscribers in just one preseason. We're so grateful for your support in doing that. If you haven't subscribed yet, do so. But comment below if uh, you haven't already done so about which of these Suns and also Giants you are interested in or who you've lost some interest in. We're going to continue these Amy Community Series match reviews right throughout the weekend. You can come back and check them out and then we'll bring the panel together for some more strategic conversations because there is a lot to dissect. If you haven't learnt some things yet from every single one of these matches, you need to go back and check out these episodes again because I feel like every single match has taught us something which is not just overreactionary but new information to help us make selections in our side. Thanks so much for watching and we can't wait to be back with you really soon.